Welcome into another Busting Brackets podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ralph, joined as always by my co-host, Connor Hope. Today we're joined by Adam Childs as well. We're going to talk about the Big Ten in our conference previews. I don't think any conversation this year in the Big Ten or nationally can start without talking about Michigan State. Going to be the preseason number one team in the country. Obviously, preseason number one team in the Big Ten. Adam, do you think Michigan State's the best team in the country coming into this year? What are your views on the Spartans going into the new season? Um, yeah, I'm confident right now. I mean, they're they're loaded. They return everybody. Cassius Winston is coming back. You know, he's Big Ten Player of the Year. He's got to be one of the favorites to be National Player of the Year. Um, and, yeah, it was a little bit surprising them making the Final Four last year. But, you know, the way they played through the Big Ten and stuff and dealt with those injuries, um, you got you to gotta like them this year. I mean, uh, the Langford kid comes back. Um, they did lose Ward and they lose uh, McQuaid, but that's about it. I mean, they, they got guys coming back everywhere. Um, Aaron Henry stepped up in the tournament a little bit there, you know, last year. Xavier Tillman's back too. Um, I mean, they got all the pieces you need. I mean, they got a brutal schedule, so they're going to get tested. Um, but yeah, coming into the year, they have to be the number one team. A lot of that conversation, as you mentioned, starts with Cassius Winston. We talk about Michigan State specifically, along with them being the number one team in the country. Connor, a lot of people think Cassius Winston is the odds-on favorite to win National Player of the Year. I think he's one of the, the top five, top ten players in the country. That's certainly in the realm of possibility. How do you see his standing sort of nationally, uh, and does he kind of drive this Michigan State team? Are they is, is he the end-all, be-all for them in terms of how far they're going to go? Yeah, I mean – with Michigan State kind of having a shallow front court, um, that back court is really going to be what determines how well they're playing. Uh, Cassius Winston is that unique combination of, of skill as well as an insane amount of experience. Uh, he has Final Four experience. And if he puts it all together, I think he's probably the favorite to win National Player of the Year, especially if Michigan State enters the the NCAA tournament as the number one overall seed, which I think a lot of people are looking at them to do. Um, despite their relatively difficult schedule, they're going to need to win some of those those big games or a majority of those big games to do, to do that. Uh, and I just think, I mean, I think he's far and away the favorite for Big Ten Player of the Year, and he's probably in that top three to four range for National Player of the Year as well. Winston, I think. If he's the front runner for National Player of the Year, as we all kind of expect, he's the clear front runner for Big Ten Player of the Year. Again, not a ton of notable returners, I guess you could say, in the Big Ten. There's a lot of really good players. Caleb Weston, Ohio State, is someone who immediately comes to mind as someone who may be able to challenge him, Adam. But it's kind of a runaway, I think, for Big Ten Player of the Year for Winston. At least that's how it appears right now. I think it is. Um I think it would be kind of a shock if Winston didn't win it just because of what he did. Now, if the big, Ten, I mean, if Michigan state doesn't win the big 10 or a surprise team, you know, jumps up there because they're such a big favorite, you got to look at a, you know, if a West and if like Ohio state pops up or um, you know, even like a, uh, the guy from Maryland, you know, if, if they were just to win. Um, but I think if, if it'd be a shock, I think it'd be a bigger shock if Winston didn't win the big 10 as if it was uh, Zion Williamson didn't win the national player of the year last year. Yeah, I do think Maryland is interesting. Anthony Cowan and Jalen Smith coming back. I think both of them have some potential to win Big Ten Player of the Year. 
a lot of people are really high on Maryland, Connor. I am somebody who has fallen into the Maryland trap before. Of Mark Pershing, <laughs> have a very talented team, and coming up short. I think last year was a welcome advancement in that regard for a lot of Maryland fans. But there's really high hopes around the Terps this year. Do you think they can deliver on those? Kind of where do you see their standing in the Big Ten and nationally? I think Maryland's uh, – a lot of their projections are based on that proverbial freshman to sophomore leap that, that a lot of their players need to make. Um, I mean, obviously, Anthony Cowan is, is a – an experienced point guard. I, I believe he's the first senior point guard that Turgeon has had uh, at Maryland. Uh, Jalen Smith could be the best player on the team if he can stretch the floor and be a better presence inside. Um, but uh, there's just a lot of moving pieces, uh, especially in that uh, incoming, not incoming, but rising sophomore class that needs to work out for them to be the true second best team in the big 10. Um, and granted outside of Michigan state, every team in the big 10 has a lot of moving parts that need to get right. Uh, so I personally, I still have Maryland second in the big 10, but I think that a lot of that has to do with, uh, my confidence in that sophomore class's ability to take a step forward. Um, so, I mean, they, they have the potential to be a top 10 team, a, you know, second weekend team, Big Ten contender. Uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that any team in the Big Ten can contend with Michigan State right now, but um, I think that Maryland's a tournament lock, at least if half of those players can, can step up. I think if anybody can contend with Michigan State, it's going to be Maryland just because of the talent they have. They were one of the youngest teams in the country last year. Bruno Fernando is the only – Real significant piece they lost, and certainly a significant piece. He was one of the best big men in the country, went, I believe, the top 40 picks in the NBA draft. At the same time, though, a lot of people think Jalen Smith gives him the, the opportunity to take that next step forward, not playing in a crowded post in the two-big system, kind of giving him more room to operate. I think we could see him have a really big year just from a, a usage standpoint and a skill standpoint because talent and skill was never the issue with him last year. It was just – consistency and I think kind of finding a rhythm in his way playing next to Cowan and Fernando uh, and that's cleared up a little bit now with, with Fernando being gone and in his second year playing next to Cowan I think he probably is the biggest challenger to Winston in terms of big 10 player of the year if somebody else from Michigan State like Joshua Langford doesn't step up and win it I think um you know I wrote an article you know a few months back about Jalen Smith being probably the breakout player in the big 10 um, people know about him, but he he kind of was in Fernando's shadow. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he is the main guy down low for them. You know, Fernando kind of took the, some of that pressure off. So now that he's got to be the guy that steps up, will he be able to produce like he did with Fernando? But I agree with you, Brian. I think, you know, you know, clearing up that space for him, it should be able to, you know, give him some space to do what he does. Um, you know, if Cowan can continue to shoot well from the outside, I think that opens it up a little bit too. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he can step up. That is a big key for them. He, they need him to step up. And if he can't, then they may tumble down the Big Ten a little bit. And we saw what he could do down the stretch last season in the NCAA tournament specifically. If I remember correctly, he had the huge game against LSU. And um, as I said, once he kind of found his rhythm and his groove, I guess his role, so to speak, within that rotation, and he wasn't overthinking things, and he was dominant. And right. he gets a little bit stronger, takes another step forward in his progression, as long as 
Maryland and Mark Trojan sort of let him flourish and use him as a focal point, which I think they should over Cowan. I think Cowan's better as a secondary player. Right. Could, I think, propel Maryland to that point, but I don't necessarily have any real strong conviction or faith that that's, that Churches is going to actually be able to, to carry them <laughs> to that point. It's just how much talent, I guess, can overcome that. There are a lot of coaching questions at Michigan, too. Yeah. John Beeline's gone. I think that was one of the more shocking things of the offseason, Connor, just in terms of when that happened and the fact that he actually left uh, for the NBA. I don't think a lot of people thought that was necessarily on his radar. Now Michigan brings in Juwan Howard, I think as good of a, a name as they could have gotten. Has coaching experience, six years as an assistant with the Miami Heat in the NBA, but obviously has been a head coach before, hasn't been really involved with the college game since he was at Michigan. How do you think he's going to do this year? And what should expectations be for him? Yeah, I mean, I think that the real test for Howard is going to be year two. Um, I think the timing of Beeline's jump to the NBA kind of put him behind the eight ball in terms of recruiting freshmen for this year. Um, And so I think that this year I, I have Michigan kind of in that third tier along with Illinois and possibly Iowa. But, uh, you know, a lot has to come together. They have to answer the questions of where their offense is going to come from in order to to kind of hang towards the top of the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, I, I think that we can't really judge Howard until year two. I mean, and that's my opinion. I agree, but, uh, Adam, is the fan base going to let him get to that point? Because I feel like in John Beeline's shadow, he's – just as being the next guy, he's inevitably going to be compared to Beeline. And, and this run Beeline has been on this decade has been incredible, right? And this was probably going to be a down year anyway, given the fact that they lost a little bit of recruiting, lost their three top scorers from last year, and Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole, and uh, Iggy Brautakis. No real guys clear-cut able to step up and replace those. Uh, they do have some good returners, Isaiah Livers, John Teske, and Xavier Simpson. But none of those guys are necessarily offensive juggernauts. So I think he's facing an uphill battle this year. Do the fans see it that way, or do you think they may still expect him to perform or have Michigan playing close to a beeline-like level? I think Michigan, the Michigan fans, just like anyone, are a little bit crazy because they wanted, they want a beeline fired you know, a few years ago, and then all of a sudden he turned into a national power who won as many games as anybody else in the, in the tournament, you know, with lesser talent. Um, to compare Howard to Beeline would be unfair. There's nobody quite like Beeline. He did things a little bit different. He, he you know, he didn't recruit those, you know, five-star, four-star guys. Um, he just made two- and three-star guys really, really good. Um, so, but there's that excitement because it's a fat five coming back. Um, I think they did a good job. I mean, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about Howard. I'm excited for him, but without him having that, you know, coaching experience, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. The good thing for him is that he does have a guy like Simpson running his offense, who is so smart and is probably one of the best point guards outside of Winston in the Big Ten. So that helps. You have a coach on the court. If he didn't have Simpson there, I think it'd be a big difference. Um, and I and and I think. You know, Livers has a chance. We talked about people breaking out. Livers, you know, showed some spots last year where he could really score. He could be their scorer. Teske's probably one of the most underrated guys, you know, down low in the country possibly. 
And then I'm really interested to see, um, you know, Franz Wagner come in, you know, Mo Wagner's brother. So he's got some guys coming in. The big thing, and I agree with Connor 100%, is going to be year two and three because he's getting, you know, those guys, you know, those big names put out their top six, top four, and Michigan's getting on a lot of those lists. So can Howard pull some of those guys kind of like Penny Hardaway's been pulling them at Memphis? It'll be interesting to see, and that's one of the reasons you hire a guy like Juwan Howard right. is to give your program that spark. Looking at just this year, though, Connor said he had him kind of in his third tier. Where do you see them, Adam, as being sort of in the Big Ten pecking order? I think the Big Ten is so jumbled after Michigan State that I honestly could see them anywhere if they played really, really well, honestly up around two or three to dropping down to like nine or ten. Like it just – it depends. Like they're – you know, they got a somewhat mixed bag in the non-conference, you know, but they'll get tested. They play Louisville at Louisville. They go to the, um, you know, the Bahamas if it's still there to play, you know, you know, Gonzaga or stuff like that. Um, I'm, I, I joke, but no, that's serious about the Bahamas. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not at all, you know. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting. And then in the Big Ten, you know, they have a couple of tough stretches where they have to go to Purdue and play Michigan State at the same time. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But, I mean, I think, you know, because of so many questions in – in the Big Ten, they could – I mean, it's such a big stretch. I think they have a very high ceiling and a very low floor. Yeah, I know, Connor, I know we've talked about on the podcast before how excited we are for the Bell for Atlantis. Obviously, college basketball is not on the forefront of people's minds in the Bahamas right, right now, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens with that tournament. Um, so if, if Michigan's in your Tier 3, Connor, I assume Maryland's in your Tier 2. I'm going to guess Ohio State's in that tier as well. Yeah, I mean, my tier two right now is is Ohio State and Maryland, and I am optimistic about Purdue. Um, I think that Nogel Eastern has the potential to compete uh, with Winston and a couple of others for Conference Player of the Year, um, especially if it holds true the way his shot's looking in, in some of the videos that have been posted to Twitter. Um so I think those three right now have the least amount of kind of moving parts questions to answer behind Michigan State for me. Purdue is a team that I have a little bit of questions about, similar to Michigan, just because of where the offense is going to come from. They have a good group of returners, but, you know, when you rely so much on Carson Edwards offensively last year, and it was, I mean, great player, worked out well for them last year. They came within seconds of making the Final Four. But replacing that guy is hard to do. And, you know, he essentially stepped up and replaced their entire starting lineup from the year before. I think I think it, it wouldn't be out of the question for Purdue to take a small step back this year as they try to find some of that offense. I think Ohio State has uh, a much bigger upside than Purdue just because they return a lot of people headlined by, by Caleb Wesson. Chris Holtman has done a phenomenal job, I think, his two years – they're stabilizing them and he's now bringing in a really quality recruiting class to kind of add some more influx of talent into I think a solid group Adam where do you see Ohio State's upside as being this year as much as I hate to say it <laughs> being more of a Michigan fan I think Ohio State has a lot of upside but I'm I'm kind of curious because we thought they had a lot of upside last year too and they went through some stretches where they played some very bad base basketball they turned the ball over a lot so they well, I think that's where some of these new freshmen, um, yeah. DJ Carton, uh, point guard specifically, I think, 
are, are going to be able to step in and provide that boost they didn't necessarily or they needed last year. Right, and and if they shore that up, they're going to be very good because I remember when Michigan played them. I mean, it was Michigan won because Ohio State turned the ball over like thirty times, and I mean it was bad. So can you know the Western? You know, can he step up and, and do that? And if they don't turn the ball over, I yeah, I agree. I think they're probably the second best team if they can control that because they can score. Holtman's done a great job there. Um, as much as like I said, it pains me to say that you know I think they're they're a pretty good team. Um, I think them and Purdue, like you, you said, Purdue too. Um, I think the other thing you talked about Purdue losing Carson Edwards. Um, they also lost Ryan Klein, who was their second leading scorer, who could just fill it up from the outside when Edwards was struggling a little bit there, you know, parts of the year. So it's going to be interesting, you know, like you said, where are they going to get their scoring from? I mean, you know, Eastern is obviously, you know, a really good talent and harms if he, you know, can figure it out. They got two guys down in there, but I mean, you're losing 36 points a game just in two guys. Yeah, and people forget Purdue was supposed to take a step back last year and were somewhat of a surprise with how well they did in Big Ten play. And a lot of that had to do with the major leap Carson Edwards made. That same roster is kind of there, and they still have those same kind of questions. Right. And they don't have necessarily the security blanket that Carson Edwards provided. So I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, again, the Big Ten being as wide open as it is this year, and I think Matt Painter is one of the more underrated coaches in the country. But I don't know if they necessarily have that upside to uh, threaten a Michigan State or compete with um, with Maryland, Ohio State for the number two spot. So I guess as we look at those four teams, Adam, the Maryland, Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue sort of tier, who do you think could give Michigan State the biggest run for the Big Ten title? If it, it, I don't think any of them really can. Like, I think Michigan State has to screw up for them not to win. I think the talent gap is that big right now. Um, Maryland probably has the most talent, but I don't think any of us trust Turgeon. Right. You know, um, Holtman's done a great job, but again, he's only two years in, so can he keep doing it? Which I'm, I'm not down he can, but can he? Painter, like you said, I think he's done a lot with, with less. I mean, you know, I mean, Carson Edwards obviously was a phenomenal scorer, but, you know, they struggled early last year. I mean, they dropped out of the top 25. People didn't think they were going to make the tournament, and then all of a sudden they should have beat Virginia, who won the national championship. So if I had to trust a coach right now, I would trust Painter the most with Holtman right behind him and Turgeon, who knows. But I think Maryland has the most talent. You know, they could give them fits because they have the front court that can kind of battle with Michigan State a little bit, and, you know, Cowan can score too. Um but Ohio State, you know, has got some guys too. So I don't know. I think all three of them are mixed bags. If any of those teams win over Michigan State, I'd be shocked. Yeah, uh, Connor, I, I think we can agree Michigan State is the clear runaway. I kind of favor Ohio State as that second team because of the the combination of returners and new freshmen. I like what Chris Holtman's doing there. Who do you think would be the biggest threat to Michigan State? It's For me, it's between Ohio State and Maryland. Um and and both of those are based on Maryland sophomores have to improve or Ohio State's freshmen have to come in and learn how to contribute by January. And so whichever one of those happens to a greater degree, I'd pick. Um, I think that it's you're more likely or I, I think Ohio State's freshmen are more likely to to do that than Maryland's uh, sophomores. But it's it's a give and take and whichever one of those happens is going to be the second best team in the big 10 so those five teams 
I, I think we can say are sort of uh, for sure NCAA tournament teams, or at least NCAA tournament contention. Uh, Connor, I was interested when you brought up earlier uh, Illinois specifically, as you thought being in the third tier. That would be a, a big leap up for them under Brad Underwood, his third year. Uh, kind of an important year for him there. Some real expectations now uh, for the Illini, despite their struggles the last two years. Why do you like them to kind of make that leap up to finish, I guess, in the top part of the middle of the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, I think last year that they showed, uh, especially down the stretch, that they could at least compete in the Big Ten. And they, they weren't good by any means, but I think that they outperformed where they they really were at the beginning of the season um, in, in, during Big, 20, Big Ten play. Uh when they played Gonzaga, and that's kind of where I got my first impression of them, they looked solid. And, you know, their top three players last year were, were two freshmen and a sophomore. And so just that, again, the same thing with Maryland, that proverbial leap that happens in, in earlier years uh, for, for a lot of these basketball players. If that happens, I think that they'll be in the middle. And, and I think that there's a lot fewer, you know, everything below – those what seven teams I named they just have too many question marks for me I I don't have the same amount of question marks with Illinois that I have with the likes of Wisconsin and Minnesota and Nebraska and Rutgers and Penn State and those teams so their style is certainly tough to play against that up-tempo high-pressing style that everybody utilizes Uh, they have a star in AO not going to even try his last name (laughs) <laughs> I think he, he's a legitimate star, first-team Big Ten guy. Another good recruiting class coming in, headlined by Kofi Cockburn, who is a top 60 player in the country. Gives it, We'll give them a presence down low. I think it kind of depends on the, the kind of start they get off to, Adam. They seem to be a team that – and their style of play kind of plays into this – that feeds off of momentum. And I think if they get off to a good start – a lot of the positive momentum around the program will start to build, but if they get off to a slow start, I think we, we could be getting some calls for Brad Underwood's job. Yeah. I Michigan only, you know, that's the one time I really watched them play is when they played Michigan last year, and they played them in early January. And I remember one of the stats I think they threw up there is they had led like 10 straight games at some point during the game and only won three of them. There was definitely so, progress. There was so definitely they, were, progress. they were in games, but I remember, too, watching – I mean, Michigan won the game by 10, but they hounded Michigan all game long. Like, Michigan doesn't turn the ball over, at least they didn't last year, and Illinois just hounded them and made them turn the ball over. And I thought, man, this, this team could be dangerous if they could figure out how to score the ball. And they just couldn't at times, and Michigan won the game by 10. But, you know, they, they won some games late. You know, they beat Maryland, you know, at one point. They beat Michigan State. Um, you know, they won some games, but then they lost to Mississippi Valley State. You know, so it's like that, That you know, can they get over that hump? And Underwood, you know, I think at times people were definitely calling for his job, and now all of a sudden they're the trendy pick to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. So can they make that leap? And I agree with you. You know, they need to win games early because if they start losing like they lost, you know, early. I mean, they started the year off, you know, four and 12 last year, but led a lot of those games, you know, but, you know, once that gets in your head that you can't win, even when you're winning. So they get off to a good start. They would be a team that I would watch to maybe jump into that, you know, even possibly top five. Yeah. And that's one of those things, even though they lost a lot of those games early, when Underwood took over, we 
people knew it was going to be a rebuilding process. It was going to struggle year one. The record wasn't great year two, but they led a lot of those games and, and looked better and showed some visible progress on the court. But if that progress doesn't start translating into wins this year, uh, in a third year when you've had time to sort of get your players into a program and establish your culture and style of play, I think that's where you could see some problems um, kind of for Illinois. I think it's kind of do or die now for, for them and for Underwood. But I think given the talent that's on this roster, I, I like kind of what they can do. Of course, can't mention hot seats in the Big Ten without Indiana and Archie Miller. <laughs> Going to be a bit of an uphill battle, Connor, for, for them this year, I think. Uh, losing Romeo Lang for losing Juwan Morgan. You're not going to have those clear-cut top-end guys going into the season. What do you expect from Indiana this year? Uh, first of all, I'm going to go on record saying that I still don't understand why Indiana fans have Archie Miller on the hot seat. I understand last year was a disappointment. Um, but, I mean, I, if you if you put Archie Miller on the hot seat that quick and, and they fire him that quick, who's really going to want to take that job? Exactly. Um, well, I think Miller, I think in a sense, was a victim of his own success because relative to expectations, the first year was better than expected. Yep. And then you you land, you got your guy in Romeo Langford, a five star guy, going to take the program to the next level, and then you start off twelve and one or whatever they were, and they were ranked in the top twenty, and people are thinking, okay, we're now getting back to being a, a national power and being where Indiana a lot of people think should be and, and for college basketball really should be among the top teams in the country on a yearly basis. And then to fall so spectacularly from that and to not have any real fix, I think just sped up that entire process as opposed to if they finish with the same record, but you know, maybe lose two, win one, lose three, win one to go on that stretch. I think really just soured everybody on him. Yeah, no, 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 I, and I and I get that. I, I'm just, it's the same thing with with UCLA. I think those two teams have have somewhat of an inflated. You know, they are blue bloods by by every definition, but they've fallen so much that I think you you need to give coaches a little bit more leeway than than a traditional blue blood, uh, you know, would. Um, I have them in the bottom half of the Big Ten. Um, there are a few guys on this roster, Justin Smith being one of them that I that I really like. But you know, losing Morgan, losing Langford, you're losing a lot of that uh, usage. You know, the the two guys who really managed to continue to produce consistently throughout the entire season. So there's a lot of question marks and I, and, and unfortunately I don't think that Archie Miller is going to live up to Indiana expectations again this year, which, which is kind of fortunate, sad. I think the Archie Miller tenure will be successful if he can get to a year four. And that's going to be the big thing. If he can get to a, a year four, I know there were some real chemistry issues that developed that Romeo Langford was kind of at the center of, and him being gone, I think there's some optimism inside the program that they'll play better sort of as a unit. And I think they're hoping that that will help them surprise some people this year and finish better than a lot of people expect. But they're nowhere near as talented as they were. And so I think that's kind of an interesting standpoint. Where is the 
chemistry team ball that Archie Miller got a lot out of at Dayton compared to having more talent. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. But I think if he can get to year four and stabilize things this year and get another year of his guys in, I think that's where we could see them um, kind of take off. But the key is going to be, again, surviving the storm that's going to come this year. I think they – he might – that would be one of those that's better off, you know, subtraction or addition by subtraction and losing Langford. Because, I mean, it's like they almost sat around and tried to let him do so much, and then he shot horribly. Like, that was one of the worst shooting teams in the country last year. I mean, they were awful. And that's what led to their going 1-12 and 12 at one point, you know. Um, I think Archie Miller, they need – you know, this is another team that I just don't care for much in Indiana, but they need to let him go and let him be – I mean, he showed that he could do it at Dayton. He seems like a guy that would be more like a beeline type of guy, that he gets some of the lower-end guys and just gets them to work hard. I think that's what Indiana needs right now. They need guys that are going to work hard, play together, feed off that crowd when they're at home and get some wins. And, but I agree. I talked to some, you know, I have friends that are Indiana fans and, and the ones that are saying like Arch Miller, they want him to stay. They know what he's trying to do and think that last year was just more of a, you know, a, a chemistry issue than it was anything else. And like, like Connor said, if, if they fire him, who's going to want to go to Indiana? I mean, they, they've just burned through coaches, you know, I mean, Tom getting rid of Tom Crean. And before that, well, that was not really their fault. That was Kevin Sampson, but um, you know, he kind of screwed up, but they, but that, see, I think that's where Indiana's fans are looking at it too. Samson also goes to Houston and look what they're doing. So I think they're, you know, having a little bit of, you know, regret on that. But if he gets his chances, Indiana will be better. And he just needs to get his guys in there and some, you know, tough nosed guys and, and let them play. I, I think the worst thing that could happen for Archie Miller is if Tom Crane and Georgia had a really good year. <laughs> you know, because Indiana fans, they, they see what Kelvin Sampson's doing. If they see what Tom Crean is doing and it's successful, they're going to wonder why that's not them. And, you know, I Sampson was a whole set of circumstances, but you could argue they ran Crean out of town. And it was probably time for a change with that. But, yeah. you know, anytime you see your ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend doing well, it's not going to, you know, not going to sit pretty. So I think that's something to watch with them for sure. But, um, again, if I think he can make it through this year, I think he'll be fine. Indiana fans just have to give him a chance. And, and Connor, we played this game a little bit last week with some ACC teams uh, in terms of who would replace them. So if they were to run Archie Miller off, nobody would want the job. But who do you think they would go after? Oh, geez. Um See that's that's the thing is that you're right. If you run Archie Miller off, then you re, you have to go after some someone that's either underqualified or someone that's kind of down on their luck. Maybe a Patino, someone that kind of just wants a job in in the NCAA that that is a top tier coach. Um, or you're going to go after someone that's at a, you know, successful at a low major or mid major, which I don't think is going to go over well with fans. So. I'll say this. What if the Celtics struggle again? And then they go after. That, that would be, that would be the ultimate slap in the face to Butler though. Or if the fired because the thunder stink. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, 
would that would that be a smart move if Indiana misses the tournament again, going after Donovan or Stevens? I think I think in terms of if they were to fire Archie Miller at the end of the year, who'd be more likely to be available? It'd probably be Donovan. Um, oh yeah, and he he'd probably take the job. Uh, so yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, but, that, but that's where I'm going with it. Is it's it's going to be some either someone who's outside the NCAA currently that just wants to come back in at a top tier school that you know, like a Patino, a, a Donovan, a Brad Stevens, or it's going to be someone who's you know, like a and it's not going to be Russ Turner, but it's going to be someone like that who's maybe pro, maybe not qualified to take a job at that level. Um, yeah. So, what 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 about if they can mend the fences? Um... Steve Alford, I could see him taking it. I don't put they want him. I'm, I'm, but I'm just saying, like that—that's a hometown boy. Like, if they would they do that? Because Alford would leave Nevada, go to Indiana. I think. Yeah, but I, I, you know, I feel like if you're gonna get rid of Archie Miller, I feel like the only way you can do that is if you hit a home run with oh, um, Brad, Brad, Stevens. Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens would be an absolute home run. Billy Donovan, maybe. I think he probably would too. But Brad Stevens, if they had a chance to get Brad Stevens. I think they would be rid of Archie Miller. I, and I, to, to, be clear, I, I, to be clear, I don't think they're going to have a chance to get Brad Stevens. I think even the Celtics aren't good this year. I think they know that it's not a coaching problem. <laughs> and well, that they have, you like know, that. yeah. So I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen at all. But I, it's just some, some fun food for thought in September yeah. when it's, you know, college football just started. We got to think, think of some <laughs> things. Yeah. So, Indiana. I think we all agree probably bottom half of the league. We have kind of a, a top five, top six. Adam, who was somebody sort of out of that realm um, who maybe projected to finish in the bottom half of the of the league that you think could surprise some people and finish in the top half? I think it's it, for me, it's got to be Penn State. You know, they got Lamar Stevens coming back who, you know, is all Big Ten and he, he's, he's a beast. And um, if they can figure out around it, you know, and they, they've figured out, you know, they beat some teams last year. I know they beat Michigan, you know, and if I had to pick a team, it'd be Penn state. Again, I don't think any of us trust chambers as a coach, as much as we don't trust Turgeon. Another guy in the hot seat. Yeah. Another. Yeah. I don't know how he still has a job there, but if Stevens can play as well as he has the first three years at Penn state, I think they could be very good. Um, I shouldn't say very good, but very good for what they've been. I mean, they're not going to, be in the top three or four, I think, in the Big Ten. But they have the talent with Stevens to beat some of those teams, and they might shock a team or two. Um, you know, I mean, I know they finished 14 and 18, but two years ago they won the NIT. So, you know, they have a little bit of talent there. Can they figure it out and put some things together? But it's like we talked about, as, as jumbled as it is, I think that's probably your biggest. Besides the trendy pick in Illinois jump, and I think Penn State's the other team that can jump. What about you, Connor? You see a big year from Penn State or somebody else? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be. Penn State. Um, I was on the on the the Rutgers train early, um, but then the off season didn't shake out the way the way they quite wanted it to. Uh, so, so I, I mean, I'd have to agree. Penn State right now is is best set up, um, but as we know with Penn State, they don't always deliver on on, on what they uh, what they look like early on. So, yeah. Well, with Lamar Stevens, been one of the Big Ten's better players for a while, Adam, as you mentioned. Give me somebody who you think could have a breakout year 
individually and and not necessarily do what Carson Edwards did last year, but kind of go from being um, a role player or kind of low tier best player on a team to being a all conference kind of performer? I mean, it's a little bit of a homer for me because I follow him, but I really do think Isaiah Livers out of Michigan has a really good chance of, of, you know, uh, being one of those guys. A lot of people thought he should even be starting, especially Jordan Poole was flashy last year, but he got bad at the end of the year. Like his defense was bad, took bad shot selection. And a lot of people thought Livers should step up and, you know, he had some big games in the, in the tournament, um, you know, played really well against Florida, um, had a big game in the big 10 tournament against Minnesota. Um, I think he's, you know, a possibility to really jump up. Um, the other guy that I think, and it's, he is one of the better players on their team, but not, not a lot of people talk about him is, um, the guy out of Rutgers, Geo Baker. Um, I think he really has a chance to really step it up. I mean, he was one of the leading scorers on our team, but just because Rutgers was so bad last year, nobody talked about him. So I think he's one of those guys that could step up and, you know, you know, he's not, I probably won't make first team, but he could be, you know, a second team type of guy. Oh yeah. And him, uh, we talked about Jalen Smith, Connor being a potential superstar, really. Give me somebody else who you're looking at as potentially making that jump into being a all conference performer. Um, if, if he can, if he can make that jump, uh, in terms of his offense and I think he kind of has to move, he might not be all conference. Um, but I think he kind of has to definitely increase his minutes is, is Ricky Lindo, uh, uh, from Maryland. Um, you lose Bruno Fernando who, who was really, you know, one of that, that one, two punch of big men between him and Jalen Smith. And you really don't have anyone else clearly that can step into that role um, besides Lindo. So I don't know if he's going to be all conference, but I definitely think that he's one of those guys who can break out. Nobody from Nebraska. They have an entire new team that Fred Hoiberg has brought in there. I'm curious. No one, we haven't really talked about them at all, Adam, in terms of being a team that could do some things. I know Hoiberg's, Got to build a program from from what Tim Miles left him. But how do you see the Cornhuskers doing this year? Um, I, I didn't say anybody from Nebraska because none of them have played the Big Ten yet. I don't think you can <laughs> really pick any of them out. I mean, he literally flipped the whole roster. He has 11 new guys on his roster. Like, it's incredible. I don't think any new coach has ever done that, that unless they were completely starting a new program. But um, it's going to be interesting. He did a really good job at Iowa State. You know, it was all moderate. And then the Bulls took a flyer on him, and he did not do a very good job. But I think we've seen that a lot with with coaches. You know, they go to the NBA, and they don't do a very good job, a la Rick Pitino and some of the other ones. So him getting back in the college game, you know, he – you know, they brought a big thing about – you know, he brought in a lot of transfers before transfers was the, the thing to do. Um, a lot of people are doing it now, but he did it a lot. I think there's a lot of excitement about Nebraska. I would not be shocked if they surprise some teams just because they're going to play a different style than the Big Ten's used to a little bit. Um, but I still don't see them being in the top yet, but he's a guy as a big 10 fan that I'm, I'm, I don't say worried about, but worried about making Nebraska a pretty good darn team. I think they're a wild card. And, you know, I think with Hoiberg will be a team that's a factor in the big 10 on a yearly basis in a couple of years down the road. He's trying to, I think, get things jump started with a, with a new roster, but I don't know 
the immediate impact he's going to be able to have there without kind of getting a full imprint on the program and, and fully bringing in his guys and getting some recruiting cycles under his belt. They're, they're a team to watch out for. And I think from a, a larger standpoint, Nebraska's hiring a Hoiberg goes to a bigger trend of the coaches that the conference has brought in recently. Mm-hmm. We talked about Juwan Howard, his pedigree, Fred Hoiberg. You add that to a group that already has a lot of really good younger coaches. Chris Collins at Northwestern was one of those a couple of years ago when he led them to the first term birth in school history, but they've kind of really fallen off the deep end since then, Connor. Is he on the hot seat, even though he – I feel like he should have a statue built for him outside the arena, the fact that he led him to the NCAA tournament. But is is his job potentially in jeopardy depending on what happens this year? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, and I think, you know, when I was, when I was looking at the big 10, it was those top three to four tiers or three tiers. And then I had a fourth tier of everyone else. My fifth tier was Northwestern. And I just, I don't think they're going to be good this year, but the fans seem to still be riding off the high of, of that tournament. Um, and I think that they'll give him one more recruiting cycle. Um, and if he, he still can't put together a, a roster that can compete. Uh, I think that he'll, he'll be gone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think if he was going to be gone because of, of poor performance, you know, this quickly, it, it would have happened already. Yeah. I, the concerning thing for me has been his inability to build on that tournament appearance. It's kind of become almost the pinnacle of what they were trying to accomplish as opposed to a stepping stone and a building block because the program has at least from what it feels like from the outside looking in taken several steps backwards and sort of crumbled and lost the foundation that I thought he had built with that group and again just just wasn't able to build on it and I think that's doesn't bode well for the long-term standing of, of him with that program I am excited to see Pat Spencer play for them who is a all-american lacrosse player at Loyola Maryland who is transferred there and is giving a, a, his fifth year shot at basketball for a season, which I think is going to be interesting to watch. He apparently did really well on their foreign tour, but I think he might be the only reason anybody's going to watch Northwestern this year. They play a very slow type of game. They're going to grind it out. And I'm surprised that Collins hasn't been able to get a, a better grasp with the guys he needs to get in there to play that. Cause I mean, they're, they're recruiting in the big 10 against the Michigan state, Michigan, Ohio state. They're not going to get the four stars the five stars, but he just needs to get guys in there that, you know, that people kind of miss a little bit, you know, I mean, you got the Vic law in there, you know, but obviously they didn't do much last year, but um, I think he is on the hot seat a little bit, but again, he's at Northwestern. I mean, I don't know what they really expect to get there right now. So um, it'd be interesting, but yeah, I'm, I'm with Connor when I I'm, I'm working on the, preseason Big Ten power rankings, and, and it wasn't even a thought that Northwestern wasn't the worst team in the league right now. So they'll beat somebody that they shouldn't beat this year, but it's going to happen maybe once, and if that. So it's bad, but I don't know who they could bring in at Northwestern that could do a whole lot better right now. So right. it'll be interesting. All right, closing thoughts before we go, Adam. Give me one bold prediction anything Big Ten related this season? One bold prediction. I know we talked a lot about it, but 
I'm going to go bold and say Winston does not win player of the year. Bold. Okay. Very bold. Okay. Connor, what about you? Um, I'm going to say that even if Jordan Bohannon doesn't return, and so this is kind of a, a what-if scenario, Iowa still makes the NCAA tournament. Oh. I know a lot of people think, myself included, that their season is riding on his health. Um, so that would, if they made if they made the tournament without him, I think that'd be one of Fran McCaffrey's, I think, better coaching jobs that he's done since he's been there. Is that fair? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um, I just, I like, I do kind of like that supporting roster he has around him. And so, um, you know, even if he does come back, and, and he's not going to come back until, you know, Big Ten play anyways, probably. So, you know, he, he still wouldn't be at 100% um, during the Big Ten season. But, yeah, I just, I think that, because behind them, I mean, I don't trust anybody. And, and you know the Big Ten is probably going to get set six, seven teams in. And so, so, so they're kind of like in by default for me. But that, that's my bold prediction. Of those six, seven teams, Connor, Adam, how many do you think are serious Final Four national championship contenders? Is it just Michigan State? Or is there anybody else you can, who is in that mix? Right now, Michigan State, that's it. I think we could, you know, you know, get it because like last year, Michigan came out of nowhere and was a viable Final Four threat that nobody saw coming. So, I mean, you could see, you know, Maryland or Ohio State jump into that. But I think preseason, if you say anybody outside of Michigan State, I think you're a little bit crazy. Yeah, I, th- I think it's just Michigan State. Um, if I were to say, if you were to tell me that, a team not named Michigan State made the Final Four. I'd probably say that Ohio State's freshman got hot in March and they made it to the Final Four. But I just don't. I don't see Maryland quite being good enough to make the Final Four. They're they're a second weekend team, possibly Elite Eight, but I just don't see them being good enough to make the Final Four. Um, and, and beyond those three, I mean, Purdue's maybe a second weekend team for me, uh, and M- Michigan maybe. Um, Illinois maybe you know a, a second round team, but uh, the big the top of the Big Ten is really Michigan State and then everyone else. Uh, yeah, I think it's only Michigan State, but I don't think they make the Final Four. I think those weaknesses in the front court we talked about at the top of the podcast will come back to bite them at some point, probably second weekend. But I, I just don't see them going that far without uh, any real viable depth up front. Other bold prediction, I think Illinois finishes top four. Ooh. Maybe top three. Ooh. I'm definitely going top four. All right. I'm not sure about that one, but hey, and I don't uh, know. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah, and, and I could see that because I went back and forth on Purdue, whether they should be included in that top four or be kind of in that four to six, let's see where they finish range. Um, I, I, you know – it's a little bit of bias and a little bit of, of faith in Eastern that had me put Purdue at fourth, but I definitely could see Illinois finishing top four. I'm not sure I'd, I'd say top three, but I, I could definitely see them finishing top four. There's the Mark Turgeon factor. You never know. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week on the Busting Brackets podcast. For Adam Childs, my co-host, Connor Hope, I'm Brian Ralph. 
We'll talk to you guys next time.